0: You are listening to the Evolution Exchange podcast, a melting pot of ideas and inspiration shared by some of the most successful technical leaders within the UK. I'm Ruth Pike, I help connect tech teams with contract tech talent and today I am your host. Today I'm joined by two great tech leaders to discuss career development within tech. Before we delve a little deeper into the topic, I'm going to work around the room and ask for some introductions. So, what I'd like to know is who you are, what you do, and also what it is that you're passionate about. So, Richard, let's start start with yourself.
1: Hey, um, yeah, I'm Rich Jones. Um, I'm currently head of product and delivery at the LO Group. Um, I guess what I'm most passionate about is really trying to understand the why behind a business and what it is that a business is trying to achieve, um, and then trying to kind of instill that passion. And that cause and that purpose into the teams who are actually going off and delivering stuff um, day to day. Because you know, for me, it's much more enjoyable to be part of a team that kind of understands the value that it's trying to create and who it's trying to create that value for. Um, And it gives them the opportunity to innovate a little bit and come up with some more interesting um, solutions. So, yeah, for me, I'm I'm very passionate about trying to build that connection about uh, between ultimately what we're trying to do as a business, but then um, all the work that's happening day to day
0: um, across the teams. Brilliant, thank you. And Andy.
2: Uh, Hi. Yeah, Andy Sinclair. Uh, I work for a company called Iomart. It's a cloud managed service provider. Uh, And what am I passionate about? Uh, I'm probably... I'm passionate about solving problems, I would I would say, but probably I would I would add on to that probably solving problems through the you know the application of either you know technology or or process or or people. I think that's that's probably what I'm passionate about. I think.
0: Great. Thank you very much. So now that I've established some context into the both of you, let's move on to the topic and focus. So we're all here because there's an interest in the in career development within tech. Now, I've got a number of questions to cover, so I'm going to work around the room. I will pose the question, then I'll also ask for each of you to show some insights into that question as well. So we are going to start with yours, Andy. And the first subtopic that we're going to cover is, other than a purely technical skill set, what, o- what other skills will support your career development within technology? So I'll let you start off with that.
2: Yeah, I um, you know, if, if tech skills were the... Only thing that matters uh, in hiring candidates, honestly, the recruitment process would be, you know, astonishingly easy. Uh, the biggest challenge I have, certainly, when it comes to to hiring, is is trying to identify candidates who are self-aware, frankly, uh, and who can demonstrate a, a strong competency and, you know, the the terribly named soft skills. You know, it's the soft skills that are actually the the, the real skills that kind of separate uh, someone from being, you know, pretty competent at what they do to being possibly even outstanding What what they do. Um, I mean, per- perhaps maybe unsurprisingly uh, for this type of podcast, you know, I fall into the kind of cliche diversity bucket of uh, being a, a somewhat overrepresented white male between the age of 30 to 40. Um, I think it's probably a, a reasonable statement to say uh, that in the West, we we certainly make up the majority of technology workers. And being a part of that group, you know, I can see with some sort of meager degree of confidence that, you uh, that throughout my career I've encountered um, many people um, specifically uh, from my sort of diversity group that, that, that don't tend to have an awful lot of self-awareness and they don't tend to have a, a robust understanding of, of empathy. Um, there is for, for everyone listening frankly no more important skill in both your personal and professional life and uh, being able to take an honest look at yourself and how, you know how you interact with the world and inversely you know how the world uh, and people around you seem to interact with you can provide some really, you know, astonishingly valuable insight um, that will really support your career development. You know, what What are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? Um, do I have a, enough of an understanding uh, of empathy to to work effectively with with those around me? You know, am, am I approachable? Uh, and when I work with people, do I do I take time to understand their communication or or relationship style? Um, it's it's a pretty interesting thing. It, do, it doesn't it doesn't matter how well you advance your technology skill set. You know, there's probably a lot of people listening who might have read uh, Jeff Sutherland's book and Scrum. You know, doing a, doing twice the work in half the time or something similar to that. Um, but there's some really valuable insight in there for any any job hunter. And I think it, there's a specific point in the in the book where, where where Jeff talks about you know it's it's almost without exception, um, that a leader's job is to try and get the most out of their team. You know, they will, you know, they will apply effort to bring up the, the skill set of their team, which one would assume will increase the amount of output of that team. It's far more effective use of their time to do that than to concentrate on developing a single individual. Um, but, you know, there's a really funny part of the book, and it's it's quite important. And it, it, it's when Jeff talks about, you know, there, there's a rule of no assholes, you know, you know, don't be one ever. You know, we you know, <laughs> don't tolerate it in a team. You know, um, if you're not if you're not able to effectively work with those around you because you don't perhaps understand how you communicate with the people around you. You know what actions the, you know, the actions you take and how that might impact the other people around you. You know having having an individual like that in a team can absolutely decimate the performance of a team completely. You know it's, uh, I think he says uh, something like uh, some quite throwaway comment of assholes must be stopped. But uh, uh, you know it's, it is really really valuable. You know self awareness is is absolutely critical for career success. People who are more <laughs> self aware tend to perform better at work. You know, they tend to get more promotions and they, they lead more effectively because, you know, they're able to empathize with those around them. And there's there's you know pretty strong evidence that indicates that companies with more self-aware professionals have, have stronger financial performance. So apart from technical skill, I would definitely highlight, you know, being self-aware and focusing on those soft skills is incredibly valuable.
0: Brilliant. Culture is a massive thing now, isn't it? So I think that's definitely something that people are focusing on um, to make sure that the team has the best fit um rich so in terms of this and, and your thoughts on technical skill sets what, what would you say sure
1: yeah i mean well i'd massively agree with andy i think um you know the stuff andy was talking about there around self-awareness and um thinking about your strengths and, and weaknesses and the impact you're having on others hugely important i think half the battle is giving yourself the time to to kind of um sit and reflect on on stuff and and, and have a think about um kind of your individual passions and your individual performance and and then how you're working with your teammates and stuff like that i think it's so easy for people to get caught up in the day-to-day role um, and not allow themselves time to kind of um yeah kind of sit back and just think about how they've been performing or how they can potentially improve in different areas um, I think, um, you know, continuing along the lines of kind of more softer skills, um, for me, a, a huge one is um, trying to see and care about the bigger picture as well. So, trying not to have too much of a narrow minded view, um, you know, for me, especially in tech. Um, and roles like development roles and engineering roles, um, there's there's huge amounts of value that can be unlocked when people are given that context and, and a greater understanding of what it is that the business is trying to achieve or what value we're trying to create for the customer. And I think that that can massively help to earn the respect from both your colleagues within the team, but also stakeholders around the business. Um, you know, it allows you to make better decisions around um, the way that you're developing a piece of software or the way that you're trying to um encourage a, a customer behavior um and, and it allows you to be a lot more innovative you know i think a lot of the questions i tend to get asked in in, in businesses that I've, I've worked for is how, how do we create more innovation how do we encourage people to be more innovative and the obvious answer is is time you've got to give people time and space to be able to do that but also you know context the understanding of the bigger picture it, it, it's huge you know ideas there's no point people can upload a random ideas it's got to be relevant for the business and there needs to be a problem that needs to be solved so sharing those problems with people and um you know as an individual taking more of an interest in those problems and, and trying to create some value and an innovative solution for those problems is uh, is massive and the other thing for me is time management just um going back to me earlier point around giving yourself time to reflect it sounds like a very very basic skill but I, for me there's definitely levels to it there's kind of your most basic level around managing your calendar and your to-do list and your deadlines then there's kind of scheduling your time so that meetings work in sync with one another and you don't have to spend a loads of time prepping stuff, um, preventing yourself from having 30 minute gaps where you can't really achieve very much, um, all the way up to kind of more advanced stuff where you're trying to learn a little bit more about yourself and your working practices and when you best work. For, for me, for example, my best work definitely happens you know, early on in the morning. So whenever whenever I've got a big task or I'm doing some strategy work, that's definitely the time that I'll do that sort of work because that's when I can kind of do my best work um so yeah i think time management um is another massive one it's often a skill that's overlooked because i think a lot of people think that it's it's such a basic skill um and then communication as well um again another one that's kind of fundamental mm-hmm. in all roles but certainly in tech um, you know there's often when working on difficult projects or challenges there's often a bit of frustration with, with certain stakeholders um, being able to explain why things are difficult or challenging or why a decision that's perhaps going to take, that's add a bit of time to a project, um, why that decision has been taken and why it's so important we make that decision, um, explain concepts like tech debt um and be able to communicate with stakeholders who's got just a little bit, it's not the best solution and the reasons behind that. I think that's crucial as well to help develop that reputation and help build that trust with um, all various roles from across the business.
0: That's great, thank you. Um, so I'm going to move on from that and actually go on to your question, Rich, which is about high quality learning materials. So I think it just blends in a little bit better. So now the high quality learning materials are becoming more accessible and in lots of cases freely accessible. What else can I do or we do to develop and stand out? So I'll let you lead with that if, if we can, please.
1: Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I guess it's 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 a continuation of the theme around focusing a little bit more on the softer skills, as Andy said. You know, massively important. And I think now that there's a plethora of accessible um, information and content available online through kind of course providers like Udemy, Coursera, uh, but also just good resources and communities online you know, with blogs and, and guides and how-to's and stuff like that. Um, I think it's. Almost uh, leveling the playing field a little bit from um, a hard skills perspective. Um, you know, more traditionally, you'd, you'd be reliant on your education. So, kind of the stuff that you've learned in school, stuff that you've learned in uni, stuff that you've picked up in, in big expensive textbooks to kind of build your knowledge of a role and, and how to do certain things and how to carry out certain activities. But obviously, now people can get to some of those answers a lot more quickly, um, yeah. for better or for worse. Um, you know, at the moment, you can you can do like the product management course on me in a couple of days and i'm not saying that qualifies you as a product manager but what it does do is you know provide you with some basic understanding of the role and um, various methods and frameworks and it's probably enough for you to kind of hold your own in a conversation with someone or or, or in an interview for, for for a lower level job um so yeah i think it's interesting because i think it, it's further highlighting the importance of the softer skills
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and the stuff as andy said that's very difficult to um, get a gauge of um in an interview um yeah. you know, obviously we can all read the various textbooks and, and understand various concepts but it's 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 how we take that into our daily working practices and what we do with that information that's really important. So um, I was reflecting a little bit on kind of various skills and traits and behaviours that, um, you know, for myself and for colleagues and friends, I've seen some, some success from And You know, the first one for me is, is around adaptability. So, you know, as I said, it's one thing consuming all this information and building up this knowledge and, and theory of a particular role or practice, but it's another actually putting it into practice um, and, we're not always all in a position where we can do everything perfectly by the book. Um, You know, I see articles about companies like Google and Facebook and some of the interesting stuff that they're doing. And the reality is for a lot of businesses, that's just not realistic because they don't have those resources. They don't have the time to be able to test 40 ideas um, every few days and and all that kind of stuff. So um, being able to understand what the business needs, being able to understand the context of the business and the team, um, and then adapt the various learnings that you've picked up over time, the various different methods and, and, and frameworks that you've learned about and almost mix and match the various activities that are going to deliver the value that's right for you and for that business is is absolutely crucial you know I've come across a lot of people in my career who will become very frustrated if they're not able to do things you know perfectly by the book Um, and for me that can really can really hold someone back because the reality is that you you can't always do everything by the book. No
0: definitely and you you learn from your failures don't you? yeah it
1: looks like you know you've learning, <laughs> aren't you? so you're going to try some stuff out and realize well actually maybe i overdid that particular activity yeah. and i didn't spend enough time on the other and that's that's your you know that's your ip isn't it that's the stuff that you're learning that no one can take away from you you know you, the best way to learn in my opinion is is through doing so um yeah i think having that adaptability recognizing that you're not always going to be able to follow a method perfectly or precisely and and being okay with that is uh, is hugely important um so yeah adaptability suits me the, the other is almost on a more personal level kind of discipline and, and standards you know little simple behaviors around you know if you say you're going to do something by a certain date you know Never. do it and if someone <laughs> asks you a quick question in the corridor and says, can you get back to me on this you know write it down remember to do that and make sure that you do get back to that person and if it's going to take you an extra hour in the morning to prepare for a meeting or something you know go and make sure that you do it I mean th- these things sound so simple and so basic um but and at the, at the end of the day, they're probably not the end of the world if you know, if, if you don't get back to that person on time. But actually, if you're talking about trying to build a reputation and trying to develop and progress, they're brilliant opportunities for somebody to demonstrate that they're reliable, they're reputable, they're, they're professional. You know, they always say what they're going to do. They're always doing things on time. Um, and over a you know fairly long period of time, you, know, you, can, you can build that sort of personal brand that um, calls out how, how reliable you are and how trustworthy you are in certain areas. Another key one for me is kind of belief and passion and being engaged. You know, there's nothing more frustrating than you know working with colleagues who are you know always a bit down and not not interested in what's going on. Um, yeah. You know, ideally you want to be someone who's engaged, energetic, um, understands what the team's trying to achieve. You know, is helping out, supporting, trying to radiate energy a little bit um and when people kind of see that enthusiasm you know they're they're way more likely to want to engage with you and build relationships with you and be around you and you know again help to build that personal brand and that that reputation within the business for you know as being someone who um understands where the business is trying to get to and is trying to play an active role and an active part in that um, and and supporting their team members yeah
0: Um, definitely and being open to feedback isn't it it's like you're not open to the feedback you can't grow again so it's it is definitely that's a massive skill I think is to take on like um uh, uh, like the feedback that people are actually giving you and not get defensive.
1: Yeah, yeah, I guess um you know it's obviously in a lot of cases emotion tied to receiving feedback at times you know it can uh, yeah. it can hurt your pride a little bit if you've not yeah. <laughs> or someone's giving you a little bit of criticism but yeah as you said Ruth it's, it's crucial that you're able to kind of look at it objectively and and unbiasedly kind of just say yeah do you know what actually uh, that's an area for me that I could potentially Um, developing and um, just tied to that I guess listening and and understanding other people's perspectives as well you know often you know we're asked to do things by people can you just do this for me can you just build that for me Um, and it's very easy to kind of just do that thing for them but actually if you try and understand exactly what that person's trying to achieve and you ask them why do they need that thing and you understand what their motivations are again it's an opportunity to add more value it's an
0: opportunity
1: Mm -hmm. to go above and beyond you know Um, come up with a solution that doesn't just solve that very specific niche problem but actually solves you know a myriad of problems or a deeper problem that's that's going to add a lot more value so not just taking questions at face value not just taking I guess requirements or asks at face value really trying to understand why that person is asking for that what is it Mm -hmm. that's challenging them Um, what other interesting maybe innovative solutions can we come up with that are going to
0: that are going to really make a difference for that person. Yeah, definitely. Amazing. So, uh, Andy, over to yourself. So in terms of that, I mean, what what would you say maybe that you've done as well in the past um, to develop and stand out?
2: Well, I I mean, first of all, I'd probably want to do is at least acknowledge or recognise how absolutely phenomenal online training resources are (laughs) more than anything else. you know there's there is actually a bit of kind of overall kind of educational crisis if you like with uh, certainly within the, the uk and within the west you know um you know teachers have been leaving the profession for years and uh you know the recent stresses with the pandemic and the culture war and all this kind of stuff that's been happening you know, the, the profession itself is kind of a tipping point um and if we we think about the pandemic you know like almost a billion children lost access to schools over the course of the pandemic and if it wasn't for Online training, whether that be you know something like Udemy or something like a Cloud Guru or, or whatever it might be, um, for children in that respect, it wouldn't be professional certifications. It'd be more like you know leveraging Zoom to kind of do online learning with the rest of their, their you know their uh, their academy or their school. Um, but online training specifically for people who are looking to get into to IT, it's incredibly incredibly useful. It's incredibly valuable. It's extremely high quality. You know, if I want. If I wanted right now, I could, you know, take out my credit card and, you know, what, 20 pounds a month and I could go home and learn about macroeconomics if I wanted to. Um, but really, you can use those certifications to pass just about any technology certification that you like. Um, you know, kind of as as Rich said, right, And there is this kind of uh, separation between what you can learn on, on online learning platforms, which is... You know, you can go really, really deep in a specific technology, in a specific area. But what you could probably miss out on a lot is the, the soft skills, again, as, as Rich kind of highlighted. But these online training platforms are phenomenal. You know, A Cloud Guru, you know, even Microsoft Learn, you know, partners such as Barracuda or whatever, you know, you know they create, you know, really incredible online learning platforms. And for, for what they do, they are absolutely wonderful. But you should be, you should understand that these types of certifications are really, they're a lot more closely aligned to industry kind of certifications of, you know, what I would think back in the day is like a CCNA, a Cisco certification or, you know, a Microsoft certification and that kind of thing. If you if you compare that to a more formal education, what you probably get is a formal education when somebody applies for a role is it pretty much just evidences the fact that that person can learn. Um, it usually indicates that they have some reasonable level of competency in the area that they're they're actually applying for. If you were to think of, let's say, a, as a good reference, if we're talking about Cisco, a computer networking degree, they'd probably learn up to about a CCNA or a CCNP level. What isn't usually evident, or is maybe lost sometimes, is the formal education also brings out uh, soft skills that the candidate. Wouldn't actually be able to evidence if they were just to talk about the the online training collaboration portals and all that kind of stuff. Um, and the candidates, you know, when they when they go to university, they don't just learn about you know their their specific chosen area. They learn about communication and writing. They learn about debating. Uh, they they learn about working together with others. And they you know in in some cases they might learn about public speaking. Um, so if you don't have a formal education, because right, I'll be really really clear about this, you absolutely do not need a degree to work in technology. Absolutely not. It's helpful, sure, it evidences that, yeah, you have competencies in some other areas rather than just the specific technology competencies. You probably are relatively well-rounded in terms of soft skills, but for people that don't have that, well, you're going to have to pick that up somewhere else because that is really, really important, right? So if you don't have that formal education, you don't want to do it, you don't want to get into debt. That's a totally reasonable strategy. Seems like a, you know, a good thing to do. Um, you can onboard uh, many online certifications, but you probably want to focus on developing those soft skills, just as Rich said. You know, you want to work in... Try and develop them within the workplace, or you can even do online certifications that will indicate how to go about developing those soft skills. But unfortunately, there's no way to really develop those soft skills apart from uh, time, focus and energy uh, in the workplace, I'm afraid.
0: That's great. I mean, I've a lot of the aims of some of a couple of career developments in tech top. Um, podcasts now and a lot of them have brought up the fact that you don't need to go to university and that's been highlighted quite a lot now. It's the fact that there are so many different options for people that don't necessarily have want to go to university or don't feel comfortable in that bracket. There's so many different ways for you to get into tech and um, And I think the more we highlight this, the more we can open it up to those people that maybe haven't got the resources to go to university, but just maybe don't feel comfortable with that as well. So I think it's um, it's really important to highlight the fact that you can do all of this, maybe through the passion that you've got for the role the soft skills that you hold and also any online learning that you can actually get your hands on as well.
2: Yeah, I mean I think I think just to add on to that I think technology you know the tech sector has got a bit of an image that it needs to shake off to be to be perfectly honest, you know, having an understanding right of what type of environment that you're going to thrive in is is really really important. Um, you know if you're if you're an introvert do you prefer being around others uh, do, you know do you uh you know do you like presenting um uh, or do you prefer engaging in, in conversation with large groups of people perhaps then you know you're an extrovert um but the image of the, the tech worker you know hammering in their keyboard in a, in a darkened room with a console cable plugged into some network device or uh, you know some other such devices is, is pretty tired right? it's, it's Uh, You know, that image prevents a lot of people from following a career in tech because they think it's niche. They think it's special and they think it's unique, but it's not. Um, You don't need to be a developer who spends the rest of their life and in, in a in a darkened room uh, to have a filling fulfilling career in in the tech sector there are other roles you know you could be a project manager you can develop people you could be a people manager there's there could be a, a, a product manager there's so many so many other avenues that you can that you can go down definitely yeah. thank you I think as you were saying Andy as well just to, just to add to that when we were talking earlier about representation
1: in tech I think you know the image that people have of the developers you said you know dark room, headphones on mm-hmm. not speaking to anyone um, I think that perpetuates um this kind of lack of representation across the demographics because uh, my wife for example she works in well she, she used to work in tech before before she had children um and she always had that perception of technology until she she met a really interesting tutor at university who uh, changed her mind a little bit but um yeah i don't think that image helps with um encouraging other demographics to, to get involved in tech and learn tech, um, because they feel perhaps that they're, you know, if they are a sociable person, they're probably going to be stuck behind a, a computer all day and not have the opportunity to kind of input and, and come up with ideas and stuff like that. So mm. I think it's massively important that that image is uh, is improved, to be honest.
0: I think it goes back to school, doesn't it? So when you think about school, if you think about IT, it was on on the computer making Excel spreadsheets. And that's the experience that you had when you left school. Is that's all it was. So I think it's being highlighted a lot more that there's just so many different avenues and quite exciting avenues at that, to be honest. Mm. And you've got gaming, you've got you've got so much different things that people can go into. And I think yeah. it, it's probably really it's starting to get the get get the highlighted that it actually needed. I yeah, and
2: hopefully those online training courses will make a difference to you know to uh, you know people are, are, that are at high high school. um, I think you know, I don't, I didn't even have an IT department. I think it was my Latin teacher that became our, our <laughs> IT teacher. And I'm not joking, I, it was, and you know, if you were a child and you were sitting in class and uh, you know, your introduction to IT was writing, you know, SQL select queries, there's no way you'd be interested <laughs> in developing a career in technology. There are so many other things that we could teach that are just as valuable.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, and
2: I think I think we, we really need to take another look at the way that we are educating people around technology.
0: Definitely. So I'm going to go on to, um... I think it's another one of Rich's questions that just blends in a little bit more in terms of how much responsibility does a business bear in terms of developing an employer's, employee's career? Um, So, Rich, can you tell us a little bit about that and maybe any experience that you've had where you've set, like first-handedly helped someone boost themselves into the next sector of their, their role?
1: Yeah, definitely. I always think it's an interesting topic because I think for some people... um. There's sometimes this expectation that if they've been in a role for a while, they there's there's a responsibility on the business to 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 promote them basically um and, or develop them. And um I've had some interesting conversations in the past around well, where does that responsibility sit for, for, for someone's career? Should the business be trying to drive that and and leading that on the individual's behalf, or should the individual you know take matters into their own hand? Mm-hmm their own hands and kind of own it and drive it themselves and I guess for me I think it's important that although the business should absolutely be supporting and encouraging and enabling um, growth and and development um, I think it's got to start and it's got to be led um, by the individual and obviously that starts with firstly the individual kind of knowing what they actually want to do with their career in the longer term which for a lot of people is actually the biggest challenge I know for (laughs) me it took me a long time to understand where I fit and the things that I'm interested in. I had to try various different um, roles in the early stages of my career to try and understand what what motivated me and what I was passionate about. And I think also when we're younger, talking about school and stuff like that, you know, we, we often have these kind of vague ideas around what these roles are. And actually in practicality, when we get into them, sometimes we realise that, okay, you know, actually, you know, coding isn't for me or, or maybe coding absolutely is for me and it wasn't something that, that i thought about before. Um, and I also think it's interesting that when, when we think about the education system it's it's hugely prescriptive you know you go to school at four or five and then you know you you work all the way through your various different qualifications and then you get to about 14 and you get to pick a few subjects that you're going to focus a little bit more closely on um and then depending on what your aspirations were you know the advice that was typically given to uni and you know get a degree in, in something that you care about so you've always had this kind of guidance from a teacher or a tutor on what the next step should be and what you should do next and almost this kind of protective layer around you and your next steps um, and then suddenly you you get into a role and that's that's taken away from you, you don't you don't have that sort of um guardian i guess or, or, or protection or system around you that tells you what the next step is you're kind of thrown into mm-hmm. it hopefully you've got a good manager who helps with this sort of stuff but you've got to train or transition your mindset away from being in a a process that's fairly well understood that a lot of people are going through into oh suddenly I'm now responsible for it you know the business you know this employer is not suddenly going to come and tell me what the next step is I need to take control of that understand where it is that I want to get to um, and start to think about a plan for that and and work with my manager to to help gain exposure and and execute that plan so yeah I think it's usually important that the individual kind of takes that and uh, onus on themselves and, and doesn't leave it to the business to make decisions for them um, you know understanding where you want to be getting exposure to different roles and uh, different activities massively important um, understanding what a typical career path looks like for someone with your interests what the various different roles are what the skills uh, re- required are for those roles and what path you're going to follow in order to get there Um, reflecting on where your current strengths and weaknesses are and the gaps for you um, in order to progress to the next stage um, and just continuously work on that. And then obviously the business needs to massively support in terms of um, constantly trying to actively contribute to that process, whether it be through, um, you know, industry experts in the business who can help with development and and steer and guidance, Uh, a bit of moral support from a good line manager who's able to kind of build confidence and and perhaps um, hone in on some of those more softer skills. Uh, but, but I do think it's important that the individual takes responsibility and then I guess the role of the business, apart from supporting all of the above, um, is more about creating an engaging culture where it's uh, really well encouraged for people to go off and learn. Um, you know, making sure people have got the right resources, self-serve learning tools, as Andy was saying, there's some amazing resources available online now, so making sure people have got access to, to things like that, setting up things like lunch and learns where colleagues can um, get passionate about a topic and, and learn things together, um, getting more involved in the community and learning about what other businesses are doing and how other roles have, have overcome challenges that, that most businesses Um, facing I mean in one of my previous roles I took our product team on a bit of a tour of a few businesses across the northwest just to kind of run a few workshops and have some interesting chats with other teams similar to our team um, working in different industries and and talking to them about some of the challenges they've got and it found it hugely inspiring for the team you know for, for weeks afterwards we had loads of ideas coming out in terms of Um, areas that the team wanted to develop on uh, new frameworks they wanted to do new training that they wanted to go on um, and doing more kind of community-based events as well so I think um, creating the right environment is important but also creating that culture and um, inspiration for people to go off and learn and and want
2: to learn as well
0: yeah brilliant go over to you then Andy in terms of what you think is Um, is up to the business or the individual
2: yeah well I'm so glad that you took that approach there, Richard. I thought I was going to say something hugely controversial, so that is <laughs> that is positive. Um, so, I mean, it's an employer's job to get as much value out of their investments as they can. This means that for a business, there will always be a balance as to how much to invest in the development of their team. No business, doesn't matter if it's Facebook or Apple or whoever it might be, has unlimited budget for all of their candidates to focus on their you know, desired career development. And even if they did that business is really hiring that individual to facilitate a function um and really if that individual is able to facilitate and deliver that function the business will probably look at that individual and say there's probably just enough investment went in to make sure that that function being carried out now that might seem like a somewhat cold-hearted or kind of analytical response uh, to the question but it's kind of the, there's a reason why i've kind of phrased it that way it kind of ties back to that skill of being self-aware You are truly the most important person in your universe. There is not another single person who will ever care more about your own development as you should. Now now that I've said that, I can probably hear CFOs up and down the country cheating, (laughs) saying, well, (laughs) fantastic. Um, But don't, don't cheer too soon. Right? Employers absolutely have a responsibility to ensure that their team has the necessary skills to deliver the role in which they were hired to do. In most cases, employers will try and circumnavigate that investment challenge by simply just identifying candidates who already have the skills and bring them in to do the role. But uh, as you know, all three of us in this podcast will know that it's uh, it's somewhat challenging to hire people these days. Yeah. So where we can't find a skilled candidate and we have to actually bring somebody in to facilitate that role. Absolutely. The employer should one hundred percent ensure that they have appropriate training and development so that that team member feels competent, safe in their environment, and has enough confidence in their skill set to you know the, to banish the demon that we all know as as uh, impostor syndrome. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. you know i think I think your employer will usually only invest enough to ensure that you're doing the role that you're hired to do effectively. But if you really want to advance, if you really, really want to progress in your career, then you really need to become accountable for your own future development. Now, that might mean investing some of your own time and your own growth. But you know, from from my experience, certainly, um, you know, I come from a period of time. I'm, I'm 38 now, but it wasn't that long ago um, when there was no professional development uh, within within organisations. You know, it was expected that you would go in and do just the role. You would probably have to figure it out. Uh, through sort of an active learning style of seeing and what's going on around you and being supported by a team around you, um, but obviously with remote working and you know that that active learning style has obviously become a lot more challenging to be able to do because you're you're by yourself for an awful lot of time. Uh, so again, yeah, you really have to become accountable, you know, be self-aware enough to say that if I want to progress, I'm going to have to do something about it.
0: Yeah, brilliant. And as well in terms of progression. Um, what what can you do to support people and th- who don't want to be managers but they still want to progress within their career because i don't think management is for everybody um whose responsibility do you think that is to make them aware of the opportunities there may be that is not necessarily manager's role who would you say i don't know rich do you want to go with that
1: um yeah sure i mean i think <coughs> i totally agree that you know management isn't necessarily a promotion you know there's there's a difference yeah. between management and leadership for me and you know you can lead a team through various behaviours and and not be a manager and you know I think management for me is more around um, the the emotional intelligence and understanding people's situations and empathising with people than it is being an expert in a particular field Um, so I think when it comes to people progressing um, or becoming more of an expert in a field as opposed to becoming managers um, I think really what the business should be trying to do is is giving those people exposure to other people around the business or perhaps outside the business um, who have really honed that skill or that area um, and are able to further develop that person um, in that specific area um, or field. I think, again, it's another kind of um, myth that, you know, in order to be promoted, you've got to start taking on people responsibilities and, and actually yeah. for a lot of people who are really passionate about a particular skill or, or area that's detrimental because it, it means they've got less time to, to kind of focus in on that and learn more about that. they are now suddenly responsible for managing the well-being and, and development of other people when, you know, that's not necessarily something that, that they wanted, but I think unfortunately there's probably quite a few people out there who believe that that's the only way to progress and, and it absolutely yeah. isn't. So um, yeah, I think, I think a good line manager is someone who's able to kind of communicate that and, and, and show people other opportunities out there, even if they're not a specific expert in that field, at least introduce, um, that person to an expert in that field who can, who can help
0: guide them. Yeah, great. Thank you. Andy, do you want to add anything to that or should we move on to uh, the next question? Uh,
2: the only thing I would say is don't become a manager too early. Um, yeah. I think that's probably an important thing. Um, I, I became a, a, an infrastructure manager in, in my sort of early twenties, and what an absolutely catastrophic mistake that was! I hated it completely. Right? I, I really, you know, I was a sort of lead engineer that kind of was moved into a management position, um, and it, it, it actually stifled my career and my career development for, for quite a period of time you know there was two and a half years of doing that role realizing that actually while I was trying to effectively manage other people I was missing out on that really important development stage um, in my sort of early 20s so that's the only thing I can see you know management is absolutely you know a, a good career there are so many other things that you can do that's not management um, and you don't need to be a manager to be a leader that's the most important thing that I've learned yeah. actually I've developed all of my individual skill by moving through just about every technology department that there is, you know, from solution architecture to you know, networking and all this kind of stuff. Um, I would say, yeah, I would, I would really just say that being a being a manager is something that you you really don't need to have a really firm technical grounding in. So if you're passionate about really passionate about technology. Um, you probably want to leave that until a bit later in your career. That would be my feedback
0: on that. Thank you very much. So the last question that we've got to cover is, what do you wish you could have known earlier in your career or life to support you with your career development? Now, this was yours, Andy. So you can um, start us off, please. Are you there? (laughs) (laughs) Oh,
2: sorry. Yeah, I think my uh, connection (laughs) dropped there for just a minute. Uh, <laughs> so yeah what do i wish i could have known earlier um this is going to sound incredibly obvious right but honestly i think i must have been 27 years old when i realized this um not everyone is the same <laughs> seems like such an obvious thing to say yeah, honestly, up to about the age of 27, I assumed that everyone was like me and everybody wanted the exact same things as me. And I remember offering a a, a role, uh, offering a position to someone which was a, a really great position, at least a site reliability engineer kind of example of a, of a position. And I remember the, the person saying, nah, nah, no, thanks. It just sounds like too much pressure. And I couldn't, I couldn't understand that. I could not get my head around that because I didn't really understand that everyone was different. Um, I think that's probably one of the most important things. Try and learn that as, as quickly as you can and understand that people are not the same as you. Lots of people have lots of different things going on in their life that you have absolutely no concept or awareness of. So again, it almost goes back to that self-awareness piece and you know learning how to engage with people with empathy. It's so important. I know it's an old trope, but it's so important. Um, apart from that, I would probably say, try and understand your, your learning style. Um, you know i think i touched on this slightly when you talk about you know active learners kind of learn things by doing things you know they do stuff with information they prefer to process information um by you know talking about it or trying it out and it's a highly effective way of learning uh and most employees you know you know they passively learn through this way just by working with the you know the rest of their team you know i, I touched on earlier that that's probably i do wonder how how well that's working with flexible working I can imagine it's there will be an impact to that. I have no idea how much, but it would be fascinating to find out. Um, I mean, certainly for myself, there's a, 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 a reflective kind of way of working or some more sort of theory driven learners, of which, you know, I'm most certainly one of them. And I kind of prefer to onboard all available theory that's available. Just, you know, inhale as much uh, as much knowledge as I can and consider what I've learned and then figure out how I would apply things before acting. Um, But one of the traps uh, that I will see of uh, of the former, the act of learning is that you can fall victim uh, to knowing what to do, but not really to understand why you're doing it. And I see this happening all the time with engineers, you know, having an understanding of the why behind the how is honestly what separates a competent engineer from a truly outstanding engineer.
0: Yeah, amazing. Thank you. Go over to you then, Rich. So, what what is it that you would have known you could have benefited from knowing earlier in your career?
1: Yeah, I think for me, the knowledge that actually half the battle is with yourself, and mm-hmm. not letting perhaps a lack of confidence set you back or constrain you in terms of progressing and learning um you know certainly for me in the earlier stages of your career you know everyone around you is more experienced more knowledgeable they're good at what they do and that can be sometimes a daunting experience you know you could be maybe a bit afraid to ask silly questions or perhaps see yourself as maybe a bit, a bit of a nuisance when you're kind of you know asking other people how do you do this why, why does that work that way and, and whatever else but the reality is that obviously everyone who's progressed has been through that situation you know they've all been there and everybody's probably suffered a, a lack of confidence at some point you know it's it's totally normal Andy talked about the imposter syndrome, which is, uh, you know, very, very real, uh, very real concept for a lot of people. Um, but for me, the key is that, you know, not not to let it constrain you, um, you know, always believe in yourself and, and back yourself. Um, I know it sounds quite cheesy, but you know, if, if you're not backing yourself, no, no one's going to back you. So. Um, it's obviously a lot easier said than done. Um, but for me, what worked really well in the earlier stages of my career was trying to look at things a little bit more um, objectively. So, if there was an area I wasn't confident in, um, trying to face it head on. So, you know, understanding why I wasn't confident in it, maybe I wasn't very good at it. Rather than shying away from that or avoiding it, actually actively going and dealing with that head on. Um, I always think presentations is a good example, like most people hate giving presentations when they first start their career. Um, And the advice that everyone gives you is typically, oh, you just do more of them and then eventually, you know, you you get good at it and you don't care. And that's kind of the worst advice you can receive. Probably true advice. It's the worst advice you can receive in that situation. You just don't want to hear that. So that doesn't really help me in this presentation that I've got to give to to how many people the next week or whatever. But... If you you look at that problem a bit more objectively and you try and break it down into more manageable chunks and think about why you're lacking confidence in that area, maybe you're worried that you're going to forget what you've got to say, maybe you're worried that you won't deliver it very well, maybe you're worried that your slides won't work on a projector or whatever else, Um, and you start to deal with those things actively and proactively. Um, actually, you can just build that confidence by um, not avoiding the situation and not just feeling, I guess, apprehensive about the situation. You know, you can, you can practice your content over and over again, so you know, like the back of your hand. You can practice delivering it in the mirror or to friends and family um, in order to get a good rhythm and a good flow and, and being comfortable delivering it. And you can obviously go and, and, and test out, you, you know, your laptop and your slides on the projector beforehand. So, rather than kind of having this emotion control your actions and making you feel nervous about it you proactively deal with why you feel you know a lack of confidence or or not very confident in a particular area, um usually you end up having that confidence and 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 allowing yourself to progress and and not having to avoid situations. So yeah actually leaning into those those reasons for making you feel unconfident and focusing in on those um rather than avoiding them for me um is something I would have benefited from you know in the earlier stages in my career.
0: That's great. Thank you. Andy would you like to add anything more on that?
2: I just I was just kind of Thinking, isn't it funny how the old tropes tend to kind of repeat themselves? You know, I could I could take a gamble and suggest that all three of us, at an earlier point in our career, probably had somebody around the same age as us tell us how important communication was. And it's the same thing, yeah. It's not went away. It's it's true. You know, technology is not everything, and being able to like effectively communicate is just absolutely critical. And uh, and the thing that I've kind of found is that. It's certainly even at this point in my career right now you know learning to communicate you know it's not a one-time thing you don't you know it's not like you get the badge and that's you mm-hmm. uh the development of your communication style is just as alive as you are you know as you progress throughout your career you you really need to hone that skill constantly adapting to, to your changing audience i mean you mm-hmm. know i constantly question myself all the time you know am i listening more than i'm talking um you know do you ask yourself like Do you know how to communicate with others without being patronizing Uh, you know do do you know how to coach people around you even though you might know the answer you know it's not it doesn't matter whether you know the answer it's more important that you coach that person to ask them questions to make sure that they eventually come up with that answer themselves um and as you advance in your career i mean this is this is yeah it really is an acute thing that i'm i'm consistently working with you know um you have to engage with different stakeholders you know, you, you might have to frequently present to executives or the board. And once again, your communication style needs to adapt to that audience. And believe me, that is a very different communication style. You know, sweeping generalisations be gone. You know, personal opinions won't get much of a foothold in that dialogue. Uh, you know, it's, uh, articulate and succinct communication is the key for sure.
0: Brilliant. So I'm going to ask you both for the advice that you would give somebody starting their career within tech. So if, if that's okay to start with yourself, Rich, what advice would you give to someone listening to this that maybe starting their career within IT and tech?
1: Um, for me, gain as much exposure to as many things as possible. Um, I was lucky enough to go on a brilliant graduate scheme where I was able to work across all different areas of technology. And that gave me within 12 months a really clear um, idea in my mind of the areas that I enjoyed working in and the areas that I felt like I could have more value in um so yeah when when you're starting off in your career really try and um push to get more exposure to lots of different roles even if it's not an official capacity you're not necessarily on a project in a different team but maybe getting a mentor in that team or having some one-to-ones with someone in a different area of the business to just get as much exposure as possible and hopefully what you'll find is 90% of it isn't for you and 10% of it is and that's the bit that you want to go and focus on but even the 90% even though subjects subject to the 90% that maybe you're not going to continue with it's still valuable to have that information because it gives you that wider perspective and context for the the area that you are going to focus in so for me yeah, get as much exposure to as much as possible find what you're passionate about um, and you know the Life's a lot easier when you enjoy what you're doing, so
2: um, yeah, try and get to that point as quick as possible.
0: Brilliant, thank you. And Andy, what best advice would you give to someone starting their career? I th- I th- I,
2: you know, I think that was that was perfect, actually, Rich. that I think um, you know, f- figure out what you want your life to be like is is kind of key. You know, I, I do like the notion, you know, when people talk about you know the the I shaped kind of engineer, the T shaped kind of engineer. You know, which one's more more important? You know, if you think about um, you know, that kind of eye shaped engineer, if you get somebody who says, oh, do you know what I want to do? I just want to optimize no SQL databases for the rest of my life. Right. Great. OK, that's fine. That's your thing. OK, that's cool. Uh, chances of you being hired um, are, you know, you've, you've sort of decreased the, the pool of you know available employers. Um, So that's fine, but it is really important that you do latch on to a specific thing and try and create value within that specific area. Could be development, could be networking, could be, you know, virtualization, could be cloud, could be whatever it might be. But make sure that you focus and get that skill set to a particular level that employers can clearly see that you are valuable once that you're able to, you know, Get hired and move in uh, to to a position. Probably start to slow down, uh, slow down focusing on that particular area, and start to develop all of those other skills that we've spoken about. Um, all of those soft skills kind of branch out and it creates the sort of top of the T, if you like. So you're kind of a more balanced, well-rounded engineer. And that's that is effectively what people are looking to hire. That's what we want in the enterprise. We don't want you know people with you know really advanced niche skill sets. We want people who are adaptable. Um, you know, we've got things like managed service providers and things like that that the hire the, the I-shaped engineers because we have to. Um, so, yeah, that would be my career advice. Uh, focus on something, generate value, get your foot in the door and then become a, a more rounded uh, individual.
0: Brilliant. Thank you very much. So I'm going to end on a high there. So I'd like to say for everybody listening, this has been the Evolution Exchange podcast. And I just want to take the opportunity to thank Rich and Andy for providing all your insights into the topic. And thank you all again for listening.